Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. The war in Afghanistan may be over for American troops, but the situation for the regular person, the regular family inside of Afghanistan is dire for many. Aid workers say many people don't have enough food. 97% of people in the country could soon fall below the poverty line. The Biden administration is being urged to ease up on some of those sanctions to get money flowing again there. What will the administration do as winter begins? Those are all crucial conversations and important questions and helping us break all that down. We're really pleased to have joining us on the program today, Karen DeYoung, who is the associate editor and senior national security correspondent for The Washington Post. Karen, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, you, you had a great uh, piece in The Washington Post uh, as uh, talking about the pressure that was growing uh, for the Biden administration to ease some of the sanctions uh, so that uh, as we look at hunger and poverty, as those continue to soar in Afghanistan, give us kind of the breakdown. What is the, the current lay of the land? Well, as, as I think you said, uh, about 75 to 80 percent of Afghan government revenue uh, under the previous government came from foreign assistance. Uh, some of that was was direct payments of salaries of civil servants, teachers, healthcare workers, people who operated the electricity grid, uh, the sanitation services. And that money was frozen when the Taliban took over. But additionally, uh, Afghan government reserves, which are about $10 billion dollars, most of which have been held in the New York Federal Reserve here in this country, were also frozen. And the World Bank uh, Trust Fund for Afghanistan, which does development projects and keeps some of the infrastructure working, was also frozen. So there's basically no cash going into Afghanistan at all. No cash means that people can't buy uh, imports, which means that people can't keep their businesses running, which means they can't have staff, which means people don't get paid. And so people who work for the government don't get paid. People who work for the private sector don't get paid. And there's, you know, what they call a sort of lack of liquidity. There's just no money uh, in circulation. Private banks aren't operating anymore. The central bank uh, is barely operating. And so, uh, you know, the Biden administration closed all these things down uh, basically using money as as leverage, saying to the Taliban, well, if you do the things we want, uh, establish a more inclusive government, um, full rights for minorities and for women, uh, girls in school up to grade 12, no reprisals. Uh, if you do these things, then we will let that money go. And, of course, the, the Taliban 
hasn't really done, they've done a few things, but they haven't really addressed those issues. And so there's a lot of pressure on now saying, look, it's all well and good for us to use money as leverage and be, you know, trying to get the Taliban to do what we want. But people are going to starve. A lot of people are going to starve and die of the cold during very harsh winters in Afghanistan. No food, no money in circulation. And so it's a real conundrum uh, for the administration. Yeah, and so as you look at, at all of those factors in there, I, I think you nailed it exactly right in terms of you know lo- having money as a leverage point for some of those uh, important steps forward. Uh, is a good thing. And and there is the reality of those that are currently suffering, those that will surely suffer uh, in the in the brutal winter that's ahead. Uh, is there uh, any conversations or are you hearing anything in terms of kind of a middle ground in terms of getting some of those uh, assets unfrozen or some of that money uh, being infused in in a way that uh, could still hold some leverage for for change and improvement uh, while not neglecting the reality of people suffering? Yeah, I think they're. I, I don't think they're very close on on unfreezing the foreign assets, the foreign reserves of the Afghan government. Um, one of the problems is that there are legal attachments in federal court here to that money. Uh, a lot of the 9/11 victims who have won court judgments against the Taliban could not take Afghan money for the, for those uh, for those judgments when the uh, previous government was in that Taliban's government. And so it's in court right now, and on all of those assets are attached. In other words, the court says you can't release them now. Uh, there are other ways, and there has been some movement. Uh, the World Bank money, um, you know, the United States and Europe have the largest voting shares in the World Bank, and they have decided to let some of that money uh, loose. Uh, the United Nations is setting up a system to pay salaries for civil servants in ways that will avoid the Taliban and go directly uh, to people. So they, they are doing small things. And as Secretary Blinken just had a press conference here about an hour ago in Washington and said, uh, you know, we are urgently every day trying to figure this out. And, and I think they are going to do some more things. Whether it will be enough uh, remains to be seen. Mm. And uh, just real quickly before I let you go, Karen, um, is there anything that we're we're not seeing or things that uh, maybe are kind of on the underreported side, things we should be watching for, especially as we move through the winter months in Afghanistan? Well, I think one of the interesting things about the Taliban uh, being in power is that they have allowed foreign journalists to work there. Uh, we have people there, uh, most of the large uh, newspapers that have foreign bureaus, still have people people in Afghanistan. So so you're able to see uh, pretty clearly on the ground what's happening there. And, of course, international aid organizations are working there and will be watching very carefully. At the same time, you know, no country has recognized the Taliban uh, as a legitimate government of Afghanistan. But there are a lot of countries, including many in Europe, that are trying to figure out ways to reestablish uh, their presence there, their diplomatic presence without giving official recognition. So I think you will see uh, that happening, too, uh, sometime in the next couple of months. Uh, very good. Uh, Karen DeYoung is the associate editor and senior national security correspondent for The Washington Post. Great, great insight, Karen. We appreciate uh, you coming on with us today. An important area of the world and uh, some important things that need to happen there. I appreciate you jumping on with us today. 
Thank you for having me. All right. Again, that was uh, Karen DeYoung uh, from the Washington Post. She's associate editor there. Uh, and I do think as we look at places like Afghanistan, obviously there was a lot of focus on the the exit and a lot of the misses and problems uh, that the administration had in uh, withdrawing from Afghanistan. Now we're entering this really crucial phase. Uh, Karen rightly pointed it out that, you know, having money uh, as a leverage point for reform in terms of minorities and religious liberties and women's rights, uh, that is all good. Uh, At the same time, those very same people are the ones who are going to be hurt the most if the economy continues to collapse. Much more to break down there. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. More inside sources coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.